thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm David Kristoff. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. And today, guys, you're in for a treat because we have Kelly Starrett, who is a coach, physiotherapist, author, speaker, and creator of, the, of this particular blog called Mobility Wad. Um, he is amazing because he's actually woken up at, I think, 2.30 in the morning in San Francisco to do this recording. So thank you so much for being here. But uh, we just were talking before this uh, interview, and uh, he basically mentioned that his book has reached numbered the top 100 of the top Amazon books of 2013, which is awesome. I'm sure he's going to talk a little bit about that. Um, he's also um, has, a, has a beautiful wife, Juliet, and two daughters, and uh, loves surfing, paddling, Olympic lifting, hot tubing, and so you can think can dancing. Wow, that's a pretty hot topics there. But basically, he's going to be talking about performance, and so he's also one of the amazing things that he's done. He's, he has started his own physical therapy practice in San Francisco, CrossFit, and is also one of the first 50 CrossFit affiliates. And uh, so welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for uh, staying up so late. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you joining us on the call in the middle of the morning. So, Kelly, tell us your first start and what, what, what is your – I mean, obviously you started as a physiotherapist. What made your interest into CrossFit? Well, we should back up. You know, most of us – I mean, if you talk to the other physios or the other providers around there, most of us don't start off with the dream of – lecturing adult males about posture or talking to people about lumbar instability. This is not your dream as a child. I was uh, trying to make a living as a professional athlete and like so many people, ended up broken. You know, and, and I'll tell you, I had come from a life of being obsessed with human performance. I mean, I think I tell this story once in a while that when I was 12, I was at a ski racing camp in Austria and they were diagramming the turn of the ski and here's the pressure and here's where you unload and where's the shin angle. And I remember thinking at age 12, like, I am home. This is what I'm supposed to talk about and kind of map that entire life. Then suddenly find out that as, as I'm racing, my hand goes numb. Uh, you know, it's a disaster sort of, you know, put, derails my, my, my career. And uh, at the same time, sort of I have this, uh, this young kind of nascent feeling about physio with understanding human movement, uh, you know, being obsessed with performance. So my first year in physio school, I discovered CrossFit on the, on the interwebs and it sort of blew my mind. It was like a, a <laughs> unified field theory of sort of how people are supposed to train. And, and I think being able to discover CrossFit in such an early phase, as such an early adopter, you know, back when there were just, there were five CrossFits and, um, you know, there weren't, there weren't even videos or anything about even how to kip or, I mean, just some of the things we take for granted about, you know, the, the information age now about kind of human performance just didn't exist. I mean, we didn't know how to eat. We didn't really know how to move. We sort of figured it out. And at the same time, sort of understanding that this is a really excellent way to train humans and discovering physio and being a first-year doc student really was just, you know, it was mind-altering. And, and literally trying to synthesize the two, you know, led me down to where I am now. I mean, it's just been, you know, it's been the Wild West. It's incredible. And so, Kelly, what was it that drew you towards CrossFit? We've had a couple of CrossFit interviews recently, but what was it particularly about CrossFit that really drew you towards it, and, and what do you love about it now? Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, it, it's what CrossFit has is in my in my now looking backwards and being able to understand it was it's the first time 
anyone ask me to become fully human? And then, and then could I develop the capacities of being human? I.e., um, like I don't know if your listeners are listening, but or or, can, or understand, but a pistol squat, for example, is a single leg squat all the way down. But you can do a pistol with two legs. You can squat all the way down with your feet together, and you should be able to stick your other leg out in the bottom position, like you're like you're uh, roller skating as a child and with one leg out. Well, it turns out that's the fullest expression of ankle range of motion in the human. And you don't really need any more ankle range of motion of that. And whether you're looking at the American Academy of Sports Orthopedic Surgeons or American Academy of Family Practitioners or, or our physio kind of guidebook about range of motion in the ankle, Norkin and White, it doesn't matter. They all correspond with that amount of ankle range of motion. So what suddenly I was seeing was that we were systematically asking people to sort of express these archetypal shapes of being a human. Can you put your arms over your head and can you be stable in those positions? Well, because that's what it looks like when you when you block a ball at the net, playing volleyball, that's what it looks like when you swim, right? And then how do you kind of develop this positional competence and then what's the best way to train that positional competence? And it turns out what we've done in strength conditioning traditionally is said, well, if you're pretty good at that position, let's make the load heavier. Well, CrossFit came around and said, hey, you're pretty good at this position. Let's make sure that you can do it while you're breathing hard and it gets heavy and you have to do more than one rep and you probably need to be able to do that fast and you also be able to, need to do that under some pressure and you should be able to kind of reconstitute this motor program out of sort of changing gears out of motor skills. Well, it turns out that's a lot what sport looks like. That's what combat looks like, even fighting. And what we had was suddenly a systematic way of saying, here's what positions you should be able to do as a human because that's normal baseline function and we have all these really, really myriad ways of being able to challenge the robustness of that position. And so when you start looking at it that way, suddenly you had as a side effect a way of getting people very strong, side effect of getting people very, very well conditioned and also as a side effect, you could instantaneously figure out what's missing in the human because it's in real sport, it's hard to see if you're missing ankle range of motion. We, um, as, a, as an example, in, in the United States, the most dangerous sport to middle-aged men is basketball. Right? You're just asking. If, you, if you're not regularly squatting and sort of exposing yourself to the rigors of, of being actually human, then it's easy to suddenly to, you know, tear your Achilles playing, playing basketball. And guys are just like, yeah, I just run down the court. Someone hit me in the back. I don't know. I got shot and I blew my Achilles. Well, we can see your lack of range of motion and your lack of motor control systematically by – asking you to expose yourself to all of these positions. This is um, incredible, Kelly, because uh, this is this doesn't sound like the CrossFit uh, that I've kind of seen or known. And uh, I'm actually a little bit inspired listening to you, Kelly, because... Uh, you know, there's a lot of CrossFit going on here in Australia, and particularly in Melbourne, with CrossFit gyms popping up all over the place, and um, it's become a, a very big thing in Melbourne. And uh, and and whether it's unreal, good or bad, I I don't really mind. But what I did see initially was a whole lot of injuries. But you're talking about the prevention of injuries by using CrossFit, which kind of blows my mind a little bit. It's actually really exciting. So, well, I, I, I you know here's the bottom line is this: we have run the experiment of moving poorly at speed for as long as there have been humans. I mean, we are greedy, obsessed. We love to go fast. We love to take chances. We love to lift big weights. And if you look at the injury rates of, say, 
something that seems innocuous like running. Running is asinine, right? 80% of runners will be injured in a year. If you knew that, yeah. would you let your children run? You'd be like, no way. You know, yeah. There's no way you should run. Yeah. <clears throat> and so suddenly – you know, we have to figure out a way to be able to systematically show people the things that they're supposed to do. And the problem is that people don't have any background in movement at all. I mean, who taught you guys how to run? Who taught you how to sit? Who taught you how to pick something up off the ground? And it turns out most people just figure it out. And herein lies the problem. We've just sort of been spending our genetics, you know, like, oh, run until you wear your knees out and then we'll just give you a new kneecap and it'll be fine. And, you know, or, you know, just the the short is, is this, is that, you know, unless kids are in some formalized system of movement like gymnastics or, or, or martial arts or dance, that they don't have sort of a schema of understanding how to move themselves through the world. Olympic lifting, for example, seems like this really extreme thing and yet it pretty much exposes the human to all of the archetypes of being able to be human. You need to be able to change shapes and change directions and spontaneously create positions of stability because that's what running and cutting looks like. Mm. So, you know, it's okay to go play soccer but it's not okay to snatch. Well, it turns out what we've done for a long time is, you know, de sort of emphasize the skill in conditioning, you know, get on the exercise bike, get on the treadmill, get on the elliptical machine and just be a piece of meat. And then, oh, it didn't work when you went and played sport? Oh, I don't know why. Well, <laughs> turns right? And it turns out that asking people to learn skills is what we're all about. And, you know, we may catch your attention with the intensity piece. You know, the first time I ever did CrossFit, I was, you know, laying on the ground in a puddle of, you know, a puddle of my own vomit. <laughs> and, and I was a national champion. Like, I'm an elite athlete. I was so good and yet literally got buried doing push-ups, air squats, and, and pull-ups, chin-ups, and just crushed me. And um, what was interesting is that I realized how sort of, poorly set up I was to be able to work hard and to also be able to have these skills. And, and I have been doing it now for 10 years and you know I, I just turned 40 years old. It's still very interesting. It's still intellectually – this is the most intellectual thing I've ever done in my whole life, this, tra- this kind of training. Wow. So Kelly, I mean you, you've trained like Olympic gold medalists, Tour de France cyclists, you know, extreme X game medalists you know, from all – and ballet even. You know, of all these people – you know, they all have, they come to you for help. Would you, is that what you do? You bring them back to the basics? Well, it turns out, yes. I mean, that, that's it. You know, as a physio, you know, we say, you know, we, we sort of, you know, modern medicine, for example, and sports medicine particularly, when we're talking about musculoskeletal problems, I think that 98% of the problems that face people are preventable problems. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's 1% is catastrophe. Mm. Something you're going to slip, you're going to get hit, something bad's going to happen to you, right? Every once in a while. But the other per- 1% is pathology. You know, you don't have, you know, knee pain, you have some kind of knee cancer, right? Mm. The rest of this, though, is about the fact that your biomechanics, i.e., your tissue health, your, the excursion of your capsules, how your tissues slide, and the motor control, the software is, is off. And what's nice is that the physiology of the human being is not really debatable. We know what the stable position for the shoulder is. We know what the stable position for the hip is. We know how to best sequence the back. So the real question is how do you give people a sort of a formal language of that movement? And it turns out that that formal language 
is the modern language of the gym. And so at some point you're going to, you know, I get to go behind the scenes everywhere of every tier one military asset the United States has, every major league sport. I mean, I get, I've seen everyone's dirty laundry and it turns out that the shoulder is the, still the shoulder if you're talking about putting your hands over your head in yoga or swimming or blocking a ball at the net or Olympic lifting, the stable positions are the same. It's because the shoulder hasn't evolved in 10,000 years. It probably hasn't evolved in 100,000 years. The only difference between you and that ancestor is that you're a little fatter and your femur's a little bit longer. But otherwise, <laughs> the same thing has been around. And what's happened, and I think this is really interesting, you know, we're not the first people to have taken a crack at this. You know, it's really arrogant of us to think that the yogis weren't systematically trying to improve the human condition. And a couple hundred years ago, people in dance, and I mean, people have been expressing themselves. You know, and the reason you have a brain is movement. I mean, this is this is what the research says. Cognition, higher order of human function, is actually bootstrapped on top of that old movement brain. Those are integrated systems. You're not wired for tissues. You're not wired for musculature. You don't you don't think quads. You think I extend my hip. And so, what's amazing is that how are we training that? We're not. We're basically mimicking around us. You know, people are like, yeah, these bunions on my toes. Are hereditary, and I'm like, yeah, you walk exactly like your mom. I mean, that's why it's hereditary, you know. <laughs> and so, Kelly, um, I don't know if you realize we're actually all chiropractors. I hope that's okay. But um, on uh, you know, on my Facebook, I have a lot of people who are health practitioners. I have a lot of people who are into CrossFit, and uh, and I've just been seeing your book, Becoming a Supple Leopard, everywhere. Like so many people posting it up, they're looking at it. There, it, it seems like it's just added something a little bit extra to CrossFit, like an extra dimension to it. So can you perhaps tell us like what, what do you mean by supple and, and why the leopard? Well, you know, anyone who's in Australia is about to be stoked right now because I saw Gallipoli as a young kid, right? And, uh, you know, there, there's, uh, there's a young man, you know, and he's like, you know, he's talking to his Uncle Tom, I think, and he's like, how fast are you going to run? He's like, fast as a leopard. You know, what are your legs? Steel splints. <laughs> and early on, <laughs> you know, that stuck in my head as he goes over the wall in Turkey and and also we had this kind of simultaneous concept that you know humans should be able to be human without a lot of preparation you shouldn't have to you know activate your glutes and mobilize your thoracic spine to be able to pick your daughter up and throw her overhead in the pool or you know lift your kid up you know hey i'd really like to pick you up but i got to prep my deadlift you know, I don't have my ankle range of motion. Like that's just nonsense. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, don't, you don't see the rabbit stretching when it gets startled by the fox, do you? That's right. And so, but the issue is that that rabbit is, you know, is full rabbit all the time. And you know, we should be fully human all the time. You should have instantaneously have full capacities as a human being. You should be able to express full power, and, and that's really the concept of the leopard. That leopard can attack and defend at full physical capacity. So, as an ideal. You know, what we're seeing is how far away from normal we are. You know, when you're designed to be 110 years old, your body's going to last that long, whether you like it or not, because, you know, especially with medicine. And then also, you're designed to be pain free. And as you guys know, as practitioners, I mean, you know, people show up at your door and they're like, hey, I've worn a hole in my kneecap. And you're like, you're 27 years old. You know, how did you wear a hole in a bone yeah. that's supposed to last you for 110 years? Well, you move like an ass. That's how. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather move like a leopard. Absolutely. I love it. There's a lot of great analogies in there. What do you think we're doing worst? What do you think we're doing wrong? I mean, there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of running. They're doing a lot of uh, swimming. They're doing, you know, surfing. I, look, I see a lot of people doing lots of different things. 
The one thing well, I find the people that get the most injured are those who do with the triathlons, which is amazing. They blow a calf muscle. They're you know they're getting uh, shin splints and all that sort of stuff. Is could they be doing things differently? Well, the issue here is sort of you know humans. You should be able to run the distance and swim. I mean, I ran an ultra marathon. I I, I trained. Uh, you know, I I weigh. I don't know. I don't, what is that in kilos? Like I'm 103 kilos, 102 kilos. Um, you know, I ran an ultra. I you know was training up for this like you know 180k bike race this summer, and I you know I just pulled 600 pounds deadlifting. I I can you know you should have all of these varied you know capacities, and you should work your rest of your life towards developing these things. The problem is saying is triathlon dangerous, and I'm like heck no. I love it. I mean I'm, I adore these endurance events. The, the problem is sort of how we've come to value successful completion. And what we've done is we really looked at one or zero. Did I complete the task, yes or no? And that's been the only way that I've sort of valued whether the sort of the quality of the process. Well, hey, I made you some toast. Great. I burned down the house. It doesn't matter. This is great toast, right? And the issue is what we've t- tr- traditionally done is said, well, it didn't hurt and I got the job done. It must be okay. Let's push it further. Let's lift heavier. Let's go longer. Let's surf. You know, and the real, the real problem with that is that it doesn't value process. It values outcomes. And that's, that's natural to be human that way and to be driven and compete and be excited. But the, the real issue is you know, can you understand what's, what you're doing? And, and it's simple. You know, one of our good coach friends was working with Bethany Hamilton, the surfer, who had her arm bitten off by a tiger shark, right? Oh, yeah. White. Yeah. And she figured out how to push up on her board, but it was killing her shoulder. And it was killing her shoulder because she would swing her elbow out wide and she would internally rotate her shoulder and press up in a very impinged position. It's because you know everyone was so stoked that she was like, yeah, you're surfing again. You pushed up on your surfboard. And our good coach buddy went out there and was like, why are you pushing up like a douchebag? You know, like you're Bethany Hamilton. Here's how your sh- shoulder is supposed to work. And by teaching her to create a stable shoulder, the same that. stable shoulder that we teach when we press, when we bench press, when we push overhead, the same stable shoulder we teach young kids in gymnastics or overhead, that, that archetypal torque creation, the stability through that, you know, was how to push up. And when she did that, her surfing improved and her pain went away. And all she did was someone showed her how her body worked. And that's the problem. I mean, that's, a, that's an extreme case, but it's not an extreme case. You know, how many times have you guys seen someone in your practice who's herniated a disc and is having some kind of, you know, referral pain? And, and you're like, what happened? They're like, I just bent over and picked up this pillow. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like this. And I'm like, well, how heavy was the pillow? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it turns out, of course, that, you know, we just haven't taught people how to move correctly. And then we're really miffed when their body fails. It's like having your handbrake on your car or one of your wheels out of alignment, blowing through the wheels, blowing through your discs, and just setting the wheel on fire. And you're like, I don't, I don't understand. I'm a Ferrari. What, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Kelly, I mean, I'm, I know like a lot of people are going to be listening to this and go, I'm inspired. I'm going to be, I want to, I want to, I want to get started. So what, what's your first thing that you would suggest for people to do? after listening to this and go, yeah, I'm going to get started, what should they do? Where, where should they go or what should they start with? What would you recommend? Well, here's – this is – it seems like a, an overwhelming task because you are responsible for everything that a human should be able to do, right? So mm-hmm. where do you start? And I, I don't care where you start. You should start anywhere. <laughs> At some point, I still am going to have to get you a little bit conditioned. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that 
sort of people don't understand about the CrossFit is that we really prioritize your aerobic and anaerobic conditioning above nearly all of your capacities. And I have ways that I can get you conditioned very quickly where I can keep you in very safe ranges and, you know, swing a kettlebell to your shoulder height or push this sled or, you know, air squat. And at some point, you're going to have, we're going to have to do some conditioning, comma, okay, we're living in a time now, hang on a second, lads, <clears throat> we're hanging in a time now where, <clears throat> you know, the world is your oyster on the internet. And suddenly, there are such amazing and valuable resources to you. In the movie Karate Kid, you guys remember that movie? Well, oh, I love that movie. <laughs> right. Well, Mr. Miyagi is like comes in to fix the sink and Danya-san is looking at the book and trying to teach himself karate. And, mm. and Mr. Miyagi's like, learn karate from book, <laughs> kind of sneers at him. Well, now <laughs> – Miyagi- oh, Lauren said oh. that to me. Right. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi's like, oh, dude, you got to check out that thing on YouTube. That's like, right. You know – and what's what's amazing now is that we have the resources to you know learn so much skill. So so you, it doesn't matter if you just have a computer or a smartphone. You can literally type in squat technique and have be overwhelmed by the amount of teaching available to you. So it's really made this democratized and almost this egalitarian sort of concept that you know this is a knowing how to do this is a human right. It's it's your right as a human to learn how to move. And people have taken this battle cry up and said, "Hey, we'll put all this out for free. We've we have put up, you know, we have some 600 plus videos on our site that are free and categorized and easily cited because we feel like this this information should be everyone's kind of birthright. Then the other thing I would say is go find a coach. At what point did you graduate from needing a teacher? You need a stinking teacher and at some point you were like, eh, I don't need a teacher. I'm too good at that. I, I played college rugby so I'm, I'm good. And you're like, really? Because you move terribly and your tissues are stiff and tacked down and you, know, you, you don't know how to eat and you don't – ah, it's a disaster. So you know, I, I think you can start anywhere and it, you know, CrossFit is a really nice codified way you – know, in the book, for example, we've just shown you hero, here's the language of being a human. And it seems like there's lots of different movements in there, but it really comes down to I feel like there are sort of four basic archetypes of the shoulder and three basic archetypes of the lower body. And then there's just different ways of expressing those things. So it, it's really easy. Start anywhere. So, so I guess the other side of that equation then is, is where do people go wrong? I mean aside from obviously trying to lose, you know, learn CrossFit from a book perhaps, you know, what do people do wrong when they first start out? Well, this is not a CrossFit problem. This is a this is a anything problem. You know, the the problem is that you know you have a lot of slack. The the human being is well well engineered. I mean, your body will put up with your crap for a long time. And some of us are genetically very gifted, and we can buffer bad mechanics. In fact, that's sort of my definition of professional athlete: is that you sort of have the tissue tolerance to be able to sort of put up with an, an inane amount of silliness. In bad positioning for a long time without getting hurt. So, you know, the the issue is that, you know, you have some wiggle room built in where you can begin and and be safe enough. The problem is, you know, that you are a greedy, greedy bastard and you're gonna wanna go faster and go longer and compete with that girl next to you who's twelve years old who's kicking your butt and you know, <laughs> and, and instead of valuing the skill and and it's okay to make this about skill again you're not i'm like you're not a brainstem and quads 
Like quit it. Quit quit acting like that. Quit being an unconscious piece of meat. Come back to the fact that this is a skill and this is worthy of your attention that you need to practice. Where we go wrong is that we get greedy and we want to go fast. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all relate to that. I know I certainly can. Been there, done that before. Um, look, one of the things you talk about a lot, obviously, is mobility. And so, how does that fit into your exercise regimes? Like, I mean, are you talking about doing yoga? Are you talking about doing static stretching? You're talking about incorporating that into your functional fitness and your CrossFit. Like, how do you how do you focus on that mobility in, in the workouts you plan? Sure. Well, here's here's how we look at this: is that you know, what, what people have done in mobility, you know, is, is a practitioner word. And I'm really proud of having brought the word mobility out of the darkness into the masses. The problem is that mobility now has been substituted with the word stretching. So people are like, oh, I don't stretch, I do mobility. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, what I'm saying in mobility is, one, is do you have the biomechanics? Do you physically, are your, are your quads too stiff? Are your joint capsules too stiff? Are your tissues just so matted down that you can't do the things you know you should do? It's because your handbrake is on your car. Well, we have to fix that. But you also need to know how to drive the car. So mobility is about having the motor control to know what you're supposed to do and actually the programming and practice to be able to do it and the tissue excursion, the biomechanics to actually physically be able to do that. So what we're – advocating for is that you have this diagnostic tool that you're running all the time and you guys know I mean everything is a movement screen everything is a test you know I as a physio have you know 15 ways off the top of my head and I'm an Australian trained physio right I'm a Maitland guy and I can I can test your lumbar instability how stable your low back is a million different ways but none of those ways are actually the thing that I need to be understanding which is which is movement, squatting, putting something over your head, picking something up off the ground, jumping, cutting, right? They're all correlates for the real thing. It's much more important to me is that I understand what my back is doing or should be doing when I'm moving my butt up and down to pick up the cat or lift my daughter or, or pick something up or, or how to sit at, at home. And the exercise is sk- sort of scaled versions of those things. So you know, the mobility thing is – we think that everyone needs a 10 or 15 minute practice that's discrete and separate from actually exercise or training. And that what I'm asking people to do is do a little maintenance on yourself. And you can do that with a, a cricket ball. You can do that with a field, a field hockey ball. We, have, we can do it with a bike inner tube. We've tried to make it simple to be able to sort of say, hey, look, you're going to have to do the preventative maintenance on this thing. You can't wait till your car blows up. And then think, oh, I should have added oil to the engine. No, oh, that's more efficient that way. Instead, you can literally start by developing a practice of working on your tissue health and tissue normality 10 or 15 minutes a day in addition to what's going on. You've just done some exercise. It's, it's easy to see when you're in a bad position because you should be exercising. And the thing is, you know, triathlon mm. doesn't really expose you to all the things a human should do. It's missing big, big components to that, and so the reason people are getting injured is that they're, you know, basically living their lives down this little tiny hallway, and then the hallway gets narrower and narrower and narrower. The idea is that you, if you're an, a running athlete or endurance athlete or any kind of athlete, are still responsible for being able to do everything that a sh- human should be able to do. It doesn't mean you need to train it, but you still should be able to do it. 
you know, we're running out of time, unfortunately. We wish you can extend it. We'll have to get you back on again. But I would like to ask you the one last question. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, poor movements, you know, in adults. And a lot of it stems from, obviously, poor movements as a kid. You know, we just talked about, we just did an episode uh, recently on, what, you know, how to do wellness in kids. What are some of the movement patterns or what are some of the things that we need to do with our kids or teach them at a very young age? Well, I tell you, right now, you know, it's amazing. Children have the wiring and have the, the, the body, the excursion. They, with a little, initially, you're sort of, the pipes have been laid in your brain to move correctly. It's then incumbent on us to sort of pull the wires through those pipes and, and make them sort of manifest, right? You're wired for squatting. Mm. You didn't teach a toddler how to squat. They figure it out perfectly, back straight, feet straight, knees out. So I'd say the lower extremity stuff, the problem with young teens is they grow really fast and you know the bones grow really fast, the tissues don't grow really fast and they don't ever sort of develop motor patterns to sort of support that. They, their bodies just develop these kind of software patches. So the things that are most important for us are sort of that squatting pattern and the pick something up off the ground pattern. And those things alone, if you teach your kids how to jump and land without you know, – because what we've seen is that right now – in the United States, ACL injury rates in children under 12 is up 400%, which means people are exercising. Young kids are playing sports, but they are getting injured at a freakish rate. And it's, it's not a surprise. We're not teaching them how to be better humans. Um, some of that stuff was cared for because kids were outdoors and doing a lot more monkeying around, developing better, better programs and patterns, but they're not anymore, right? We just mm -hmm. we're, we're sort of live this modern, confined life. We feel really strongly that kids should be barefoot as much as possible or in flat shoes as long as possible. If the, you, know, you can't be barefoot all the time, so wear flat shoes. Kids have been – we basically you – know, if I told you that you know, Chinese foot binding is bad, you'd be like, of course. Well, I'm like, well, why is your kid wearing a two-centimeter high-heel shoe in that athletic <laughs> sneaker? I mean that's what's happening, right? So get your kids in flatter shoes. Make sure that they stand and walk with their feet straight. They can't walk like ducks. And then start making sure that they you know, can start to squat. Teach them your kids how to squat. Teach them how to jump and land. I mean my five-year-old can identify what's a good squat and a bad squat instantaneously. You know? and, and if she can figure it out, I know you can figure it out too. Oh, that's awesome. Kelly – Amazing stuff, man. And you're, you're definitely going to be inspiring a lot of people, and uh, which is obviously what you want to do to help move people into high performance. And uh, I love the way you speak and the love the way you can hack the human movement. That's awesome. Um, I'd love for you guys to go check out um, Kelly's stuff. Go to mobilitywad.com. That's mobilitywod.com. And check out, there's tons of stuff there. Like, I mean, there's a free episode. You're so doing much. some it's daily videos. I've been <laughs> getting awesome distracted. Stuff. Just look at all this stuff. There's so much stuff on there. Yeah, it's awesome stuff, Kelly. Really appreciate it. I know you, it took a lot of effort for you to wake up in the middle of the night to uh, do this call, but I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Great. Uh, I would love forward to uh, seeing you down here and down under, and uh, hopefully sometime we can uh, get you into uh, one of our seminars uh, in, in no, the new year. Please, and uh, I think you guys have this great beer down there called VB. I love that. Keep it cold. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save one for you. We'll save one for you. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Love for to go to facebook.com uh, slash the wellness guys or the wellness couch. Love to hear your feedback on this particular episode. And if you read the book, tell us what you think. Tell us what you think about what Kelly has said about on this episode. And while you're there, make sure you like us on Facebook. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and other strangers that you think will need a wellness update. And go to, subscribe, and, and go to iTunes and subscribe 
subscribe to us there and leave a five-star rating and leave a great comment for us because that's, uh, that's how we can improve. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.